You're listening to Energy Insiders, a weekly update on clean energy and climate policy with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading energy analyst David Leach. Energy Insiders is brought to you by Evergen, providing cutting-edge energy management software for battery optimisation, virtual power plants and distributed energy resources. And Pylon, helping solar installers and retailers design high-resolution solar proposals in minutes. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Energy Insiders podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and joining me as usual is ITK analyst David Leach, now the proud owner of one electric vehicle. David, how are you? I'm uh, very well, thanks, Giles, and up to uh, 11 or 1,200 kilometres now on my Hyundai Ionic, but uh, we've got far more interesting things to talk about uh, than that today and, and a great guest to, to, uh, to share them with us. Well, that's right. We are now officially in election mode. We have an election coming on May 21st. And joining us today is one of the people who is likely going to be playing a very crucial role in this election and a new player in it too. Simon Holmes, of course, will be familiar to many of you as a uh, energy expert and pundit and um, important work in helping develop things like uh, the OpenNEM resource. And is now the convener, I think that might be the right name, of an organisation called the Climate 200, which is supporting independent candidates across the nation. Simon, thank you very much for joining us, and please correct me in anything I've gotten wrong in the introduction. No, that was perfect, Giles. Well done. (laughs) Thanks very much. (laughs) Generous introduction. Climate 200, you're about to celebrate your 10,000th donation. Congratulations. How much have you raised? Thanks, thanks, Charles. Yeah, 10,000 10, donors from around Australia from all 151 electorates. Uh, we are just on the cusp. We're just about to top, tip through $10 million. Um, and we've just gone past our 10,000th donor, as I said, and we're going to celebrate that um, Yeah, tonight. But for you uh, listeners, I'm guessing it'll be a few days in the, in the back. It, 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 it may be a day or two um, down the track or after by the time our listeners mm. get to... Last to Wednesday. T- Last Wednesday, yes. $10 million. It sounds like a lot. I think Clive Palmer spent eight times that much in the last Yeah, election. it does sound. He spent, he, spent, he spent $89 million in the last election, didn't win a single seat. Uh, but he, he, he was boasting, um, well, he was, he was being chided about that by Fran Kelly on Radio National end of last year, one of her last interviews. She said, yeah, $89 million, and you didn't win a single seat. And he pulled her up and uh, said, no, 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 I got the outcome that I wanted. And the outcome that he wanted was to make sure he could proceed with his coal mine, $6.5 billion mm. coal mine next to Adani. So mm. good investment, good return on investment. I think that's how Clive sees it. What's your, uh, and what's he your said he's going, to spend, he's, he's, going to spend, he's going to spend $100 million this time. The major parties will go well over $100 million. Um, the Greens normally get around, you know, raise about $20 million. So mm. even though um, $10 million sounds like a lot of money, and it is a lot of money in politics, um, it still makes us a minnow. Yes. What do you hope to get from that $10 million? What outcome are you hoping to achieve? Well, we, uh, so Climate 200 is a giving circle, basically. We, you know, we, we, we've, we've crowdfunded um, uh, this, this money from across the country and we are donating it to candidates, uh, the 22 candidates uh, so far. Um, I, th- I think we're, we're, we're going to top out at 22 candidates um, who share our values and we've got three very simple values that's a science-based response to climate change uh, rooting out corruption or restoring integrity to politics in australia 
and gender equity or advancing the, uh, the, the safety for women in Australia. They're our three values. So we're going to direct, uh, we are, we've, we've, we've already um, made most of the donations we, we, we um, plan to make. Um, we are making sure that the funds that people have given us are getting to the most, uh, to, you know, to, to the most strategic campaigns and to strong campaigns that have got a fighting chance. Um, 22 independents that share our values um, that are running in seats around the country. It's, uh, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. It is pretty exciting. How many of those seats do you think that you can get a fighting chance of, of, of winning? And, and does that, for instance, include Zali Stegel, who's now an incumbent, um, protecting her seat from a, um, a relaunch by the Liberals? Um, so, yeah, yeah, I guess there are, two questions there. Yes. Yeah, there are, there are four uh, strong independents on, on the crossbench or in, you know, values-aligned independents. Zali Stegel, Helen Haynes, Rebecca Sharkey and Andrew Wilkie. Um, all do a great job. All fight for those, uh, yeah, for, for for those those values that I listed before. Um, our our research shows that they are in uh, they're they're in a very solid position now. You know, politicians always say that they don't you know they'll never take it for granted, and they've got to fight every campaigns, every every campaign, uh, and they will. But there there aren't credible contenders um, against any of those any of those candidates. So. Um, you know, finger, fingers crossed, they'll all enjoy another term. Um, but what we would like to see is is the crossbench grow. Um, we, um, we we make a big point that our parliament's very finely balanced. We've um, take seventy six to govern in Australia. You need seventy six members in the lower house, and the, co the 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 coalition made up of two parties: the Liberal Party at sixty and uh, the Nationals at 16. So they've just between them got enough. And it's a coalition, you know, secret coalition agreement. Um, we don't, you know, we don't know what's in it, but we do know that it stopped, you know, that it essentially gives the Nationals the balance of power and uh, has played a significant role in stopping any action on climate change over the last, well, really over the last uh, nine years since the government came to power. So we, we're, we, we want to change the you know, we, we, we want to have, uh, at the end of this election, a different composition in Parliament. Um, we think it's increasingly likely that it will be um, a minority government. And so it'll, it'll start as a hung Parliament, uh, where neither major party has enough seats to govern. And we'll need to sit down with these uh, strong independents and thrash out uh, uh, you know, in negotiations, work out Who's, got, who's most able to deliver uh, on the things that um, these, these independents will have a strong mandate from their electorates uh, to, to perform on. Mm, mm. Simon, do you um, do any of your own focus group or, or in, within seat uh, polling in the same way that uh, I read constantly that the major parties do? Yeah, we do. We do quite a quite a bit, David. We've done um, early on. We did a fair few focus groups to try to understand where the electorates were and and what what issues resonated, um, and, and 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 which seats are ones that have enough voters who are valued values aligned in order to deliver um, uh, yeah, strong independence to um, in, in, into, into parliament. Um, so we've, we've, we have done early on a fair few focus groups, um, not so many recently, and we, but we also do poll. Um, we're, we're very metrics 
driven. Um, we've, we're polling, we're polling about every, uh, every four weeks in, in the seats. And it's been fascinating to see the rise in interest and awareness of the independence since, you know, back, back in October, very few people were aware, you know, sort of background, maybe 7% of people, uh, in the seats that we polled were looking at, uh, at independence. Um, and now, uh, as, as being the home for their primary vote, um, in order to win a, an independent in the right seat needs to get about 25% of the primary. Uh, they need to pull the incumbent down from, you know, most of the incumbents are sitting on between 48% and maybe 56% primary. They need to be pulled down into below 45 and then the seat's very much in play. And there's, um, yeah, quite a number of seats that are there or close to there and with, um, five and a half weeks to go. Uh, it's it's going to be a very exciting, very exciting. And so election. you've you've talked about the uh, awareness. I don't know whether your polling asks um, about voting intentions, but mm. can you give us a sense of? of oh, sorry, uh, I, 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 yeah, I sw I switched there. I mean, I talked. Um, uh, no, awareness no, no, but high, I'm trying but, to get but, a, but, I mean, but the primary. We're, we're, we're seeing we're we're seeing we're seeing primaries. Um, and, and there are there are many um, published polls in, in in these major seats in the last um, in, in in the last couple of weeks we've seen published polls that show that uh, it's a two horse race. Kylie Tink is up against Trent Zimmerman. Uh, Mac um, McKellar, where Sophie Scomps is up against uh, Jason Flinsky. In in all, in all, and that's just the New South Wales ones. I can keep going, but in 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 all those seats, it's it's become a two horse race where it'll be um, at the moment. I'd say the polling's very close, but uh, depending on which pollster and which which week, it's uh, it's neck and neck for uh, for for who who takes that seat on um, on May twenty first. There's um two two more seats down in Melbourne that are. Uh, that are looking um, similarly close. Uh, Zoe Daniels uh, in the seat of Goldstein against Tim Wilson, and Monique Ryan in the seat of Kuyong against Treasurer Josh Frydenberg. Um, then over in Perth, we've got uh, a number of seats like um, Kate Cheney uh, up against Celia Hammond in the seat of Curtin, which is where the seat that I grew up in. Um, uh, so they're they're the they're probably the uh, the mo the highest profile. But uh, I th and, and and there's also um, a couple of interesting candidates, a few interesting candidates in the um, in the Senate uh, that we're supporting. But um, there's also a, a range of other uh, candidates. Um, uh, Cass Heiss in in Cowper, um, uh, Kate Hook in Clare, um, Hannabeth Luke in Page. Page is interesting. That's the seat around uh, around Lismore. Um, uh, fan, an amazing candidate um, running, a, running a really strong campaign. So, don't, you know, there's a lot of focus on these inner city seats, pro probably because it's high profile liberals in, in many of them. But if we look across the country, there's actually a lot more geographic diversity. Um, there's much more of a balance between um, urban and, and regional. I'll hand back to Giles in a second, but my last question, and I think the answer is very obvious, but I want to ask it anyway, is... Uh, you know, what can listeners to this podcast uh, do if they happen to be uh, uh, interested in this or share the same values as, as some of these independents in, in their seat might, might do? 
Great, great question. Thanks for the, for the lead in. Um, someone uh, who used to raise money for um, for a church told me that there's a there's a saying they have that uh, people people can normally give uh, one of the three T's uh, their time. Um, so and time might mean that they're letterbox dropping or you know, putting leaflets in letterboxes or um, uh, uh, helping out with um, booth, um, um, what do we say? I'm about to say manning the booth. I don't know what the what, personing the booth on on election day. <laughs> a um, booth person, <laughs> a booth person, right? Um, uh, yeah. So there's there's time, there's talent. Um, there are all sorts of people who give amazing people who have come forward in this movement and you know, data analysts, um, demographers, um, uh, graphic artists. Uh, um, media producers there, there are amazing number of people who have stepped forward and given given some of their talent um, to to the movement and the last one is treasure if you if you don't have any of the, if, you, if you're unable to give time or talent um, give us your treasure and that and, and people can donate directly to campaigns or climate 200 is um yeah has, has been raising money and thankfully we we raised our administrative all our funds for administration were raised from, from some foundational donors so uh, at this point, every cent that comes to us goes to directly to supporting um, campaigns that we we think have the highest chance of winning and the greatest impact if they if they were to win. Mm. Uh, but but yeah, we encourage people check out our website climate200.com.au. We've got a page that lists the candidates that we're supporting. Um, one thing we do that's a bit different is that we give uh, members or not members, sorry, rather I should say donors an opportunity to list their um to, to put their name on a on a donor wall and the vast majority of our members of of our donors should uh, uh yeah, are up on that are up on that wall mm-hmm. so you can see um thousands and thousands and thousands of people have been happy to disclose that they're part of this movement and uh, disclose early which is pretty exciting mm. so what is the money used for then is it like sort of boosting sort of posts on social media or is it sort of making placards is it tv ads uh, what's the most common yeah, one of the, uh, so, item <laughs> One, one thing I think that's, that's fascinating in this is we see that, uh, so name recognition of an independent candidate out of the blocks is pretty low. Um, you might see uh, a month after someone's launched their campaign, only 20% of people in the electorate know who they are. But yeah. of those 20%, half of them would vote for, want to vote for the person. So these, these candidates are extremely popular, but only if they're known. So mm-hmm. it's really the, the exercise is making sure as many people in the electorate know and that's uh well there's 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 a few ways i mean obviously social social media advertising is the most accessible right because in most in most markets tv is just too expensive um so social media is a um there's there's a lot being spent by the candidates there uh in some markets newspaper ads are affordable and effective um uh, running events where people people turn up and and uh engage with interesting people uh uh events where lots of people uh, get a t-shirt and proudly walk around with the t-shirt on and one thing that's um that that's uh, uh um happening in in, in Kuyong to an amazing extent is how many of the signs are going up in people's um on people's front fences one in 50 houses in Kuyong has a Monique Ryan poster on the front fence uh, and um <laughs> Uh, does I that, think that does that equate to a lot of uncollected garbage? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's um, 
there's, there's, yeah, right. Um, and there's, uh, yeah, they've, they've door knocked on 16,000 houses, which I think is the Australian record. So um, a lot of organising a lot of these things, um, you know, um, even, you know, is, 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 a, is a very expensive exercise. Um, and uh, yeah, but they, they, need, they need the money because they don't get the, you know, there's $31 million ad the government has on the positive energy, that campaign where they're lying to us about how um, they claim to reduce emissions when we haven't. Uh, they, um, uh, the MP MPs have staffers which are on the public purse and um, they get to send mail uh, as, as, as MPs, uh, which is often crosses the line into electioneering. So as an in independent doesn't have any of those benefits. Um, so they have to raise the money and pay, pay people um, to do, do that stuff. Thankfully, they've got a volunteer army um, and uh, people um, loving getting out there campaigning for this independence. Can you just take us right back to the beginning then? Why do we need climate, these so-called climate independence? So we are going backwards as a country on climate, right? If um, you're keen uh, observers, many of your re readers will know that we have a, the renewable energy target, uh, not only did it top out in 2020, but in 2015 it was cut back so that we have a lower renewable energy target now mm. than we did uh, a decade ago. Both major parties went to the 2007 election with an emissions trading scheme. You know, Howard actually was going, went to the election with an emissions trading scheme proposal. Uh, and, and we had bipartisan support right up until December 2009. Um, those are off, you know, that, that policy, whether, uh, you know, um, th those kind of policies or policy to actually deal with climate change it has gone backwards in that time. And you can see it reflected in, um, you know, there's a, policy ranking table, the CCPI ranking table, where Australia is dead last, number 64 on that. Um, so we've got a parliament that uh, has been unable to deliver. Um, we've got a federal government that routinely lies to us on emissions. And, um, you know, Wouldn't the Labor government solve going, that problem though? Well, Labor's going to the election with a lower target than they went with uh, three years ago. Um, yeah, I, I, I um, I will give Labor credit that they actually intend to reduce emissions. Uh, it's, I, my, my understanding is that they don't intend to lie to us like uh, Angus Taylor and co do. Uh, but um, you know, it, it, we, 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 we saw back in 2010 um, that uh, it a, it's strong, a strong crossbench gives major party a backbone. And we saw in um, the brief period where the crossbench had the balance of power, uh, when Julia Banks moved to the crossbench in 2018, we saw that uh, that the crossbench gave the parliament a conscience to pass the Medivac law that allowed something like 150 uh, very sick refugees to finally get medical attention that 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 uh, you know, multiple doctors had to sign off to say they needed. So yeah, the crossbench. Um, I mean, just think about this last term of government. Only one climate bill came before Parliament, it was Ali Stegall's. Only one integrity bill came before uh, Parliament, and that was Helen Haynes's. We, we, um, we have a Parliament where the innovation, the conscience and the backbone comes from the crossbench. And if you imagine we just add three more, uh, we, could, we could have real change. Simon, uh, I could ask how, it, you know, the, about the contrast with the Greens, but I, actually I think we all understand that to some extent. I guess one thing that in, during the last uh, parliament, the independents have all tended to vote the same way on most bills, I think. 
I, I stand to be corrected on that. Uh, mm. uh, but they do. There are a few. There are a few bills. There are a few notable bills where they um, where they didn't agree. Um, but in um, you know, they 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 talk um, you know quite proudly about collaborating on on research and uh, you know they, they they swap notes, but they always vote independently. Um, yeah, so yeah. I wanted to ask to what extent even now there's like uh, group discussion and, to, and what's the difference between a, a collection of like-minded independents and a party? Well, look, there are lots of advantages for people to, to join parties if you, if, if, you know, if, you, if you want to stand candidates. Um, the, our system's been set up to support, you know, uh, to, to, to confer a whole lot of benefits on parties. I'll give you give you an example. If you donate to Zoe Daniels today in Zoe Daniel in in Goldstein, you um, you don't get a tax deduction deduction. But if you if you donate to Tim Wilson, same seat, you do get a tax deduction because he's part of a party. Um, uh, Tim Wilson has access to the electoral roll. Zoe Zoe doesn't. If she wants to uh, get a list of people who live in the area, she's got to pay a data provider for that, uh, and and they're not cheap. So there, there are a lot of benefits um, uh, and branding, of course, you know, to, to run under the, you can be a complete dolt and run, run under uh, the major parties and still get 30,000 votes um, just, just for having your name on, on the paper. Whereas if, you, uh, if you're an independent, you have to work uh, Is One Nation hard. sort of a proof of that? Sorry, keep going. <laughs> Not just One Nation, there are plenty of dots on, on, on both sides of the aisle, I would say. Anyway, they, um, uh, but but the but the problem well the, the the thing with a party is that you you subscribe to a platform and you vote. Um, uh, we, we've we've seen that that um, party members, uh, if they stray well in the in the Labor Party, if you if you stray from the vote, you're immediately expelled, no questions asked, and the Liberal Party. Uh, it's now become a massive career-limiting move. Um, well, not now, and over the last couple of decades, such that um, you know those who cross the floor can't expect to be pre-selected. So um, it's really the freedom. Um, you think about think about uh, a party member who you know, a very large number of them want to get into the ministry, get get in, get into the ministry, or uh, or even get the top job. So every moment they're they're trying to uh, shore up their uh, you know their, their careers. They're beholden to factions and donors, and party and branch, um, and maybe the um, constituents in you know, their local constituents are a bit of an afterthought. Whereas if you're an independent, you you are beholden only to your community. You you have to win their vote, uh, and it's and it's a hard slog each and every time. So you've got a very different relationship with um, uh, with stakeholders when you're when you're a crossbencher. Mm. Yeah, I'll hand back to Giles, but I just want to make the point that, you know, when people have asked me about politics and uh, my dad was a state member for parliament uh, and my mum was a mayor, I've always said that the most primary thing, the most primary attribute of successful politicians is loyalty, which sounds stupid considering all the backstabbing, but still you get a, a lot of, you rise a long way when, when your boss can count on your unquestioning loyalty. With independence, I guess the loyalty comes back to the community. But back to you, uh, your constituents. Back to you, Giles. Well, I'm just wondering, throw it back that to Simon. I mean, is it more important to have loyalty to a party or loyalty to a principle? Yeah, well, a great example. Um, uh, Trent Zimmerman and Dave Sharma both say that they care an awful lot about climate change. Uh, but when Zali Stegall put a bill uh, in, into Parliament, it went off to committee 
Trent was on the committee that reviewed it, and he voted uh, that the bill not be uh, not be advanced through Parliament, and both of them um, voted to, um, to to ensure that you know, to, to gag debate so that the bill couldn't be discussed. The only the only climate bill uh, introduced in the last three years. So you have um, you know, clearly uh, Zimmerman and Sharma's loyalty is to. I guess what their career, their factions, their party, their party room, um, well before it is to their values. And um, you know, with North Sydney and Wentworth in, in our polling, those electorates, the number one issue is climate change. Now, one thing that's fascinating about this this movement is, I, I'm not pretending that climate change is the number one issue across the country, but there are a whole lot of election electorates where there where it is the number one issue, and their local members have been ignoring that. Ignoring it, voting against it, they'll, they'll, they're a facade. They'll say to, um, they'll reflect back to the community what they hear, but when they go into the house, they vote the same way as Barnaby Joyce pretty much every time. Mm. So I don't know. Win- loyalty, hmm. Loyal, loyalty, yeah. right? It's it, loyalty is only, I think, only a virtue if it's to um, virtuous causes. Yeah. Going back to, say, the Gillard government, which was a minority government, it depended on um, crossbenchers, in particular in that case, the country independents. Um, they actually produced some really good policy, but at the time, the media, the mainstream media, simply could not cope. It was just basically just took them right out of the he says, she says, who's throwing stones at each other sort of, you know, yep. uh, dynamic. And they were required, but they failed to actually discuss the policy. And they were just sort of completely obsessed by the politics and, and the fact that they just couldn't deal with this sort of multitude yeah, of things. The, Do you have any the media more confidence let us down. The, the media yep. let us down? Media. It certainly did. Do you have any more confidence now that the media won't let us down this time around? No, I don't. I don't. I mean, I think um, uh, the, the Murdoch. Sorry, the the, the Murdoch media. <laughs> I, look, I've I've been um, I've you know been interacting with the Murdoch media for six months over this project, and. Uh, they're getting crazier and crazier. I mean, sky after dark is is just a sense-free zone, um, and uh, they, yeah, they 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 um, misrepresent uh, and you know, have 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 uh, agendas to to drive. So no, I don't I, I don't expect. I mean, you know, remember it was Credlin well, was. <laughs> Greg Predlin was uh, in. Yes. She was in. She was in the thick of it then, and she's um, uh, she's she's a commentator on uh, on Sky, and she habitually, uh, regularly lie, lies about about the about independence. So no, I I think it will be will be split. It'll be really interesting to see how it works. But but I, I yeah that that term of government gave us you know, not only um, you know a carbon uh, pricing framework, um, obviously you know long gone. But uh, ARENA, the Renewable Energy Agency, CFC, and the Clean Energy Finance Authority. Okay. Yes. Yep. Yeah, no, it was, it was uh, good. The, the, I mean, look, the, NDI, the, the NDIS. Yep. Also, anyway, there was yeah. a whole lot of whole lot, whole lot of whole lot of things that came out of that yeah. uh, government. I mean, look, um, the, the Murdoch media and Sky After Dark has got to be a lost cause. I'm just wondering if there's any more hope yes. now from some of the other parts of mainstream media. Particularly, I think um, one of my observations of mainstream media is particularly with the uh, Brittany Higgins and the Grace Tame um, issues over the last year, um, sexual bullying and other things that have been going on. Mm, mm. A lot of the journalists and I think the women journalists in, from, in particular have gotten fed up and they've they've decided that sort of discussing and being obsessed by the politics is no longer good enough and they've actually gone and got stuck into the policy details itself and the issues 
And that, to me, gives me hope that that can kind of guide their reporting and their analysis going forward. I don't know whether that's going to be the case on any broader issues, but I certainly hope so. I see early signs that it could be. Um, but I guess it comes down to the fact that the Murdoch media remains the dominating, dominating feature of a landscape. Yes, yes. No, I spoke to someone from the Murdoch media the other day. He said that they were, they were part of the Murdoch media pivot. Uh, you know, I said, what pivot? I said, you know, the one where we went, uh, where, where, where we became, you know, pro, pro climate action. And I said, no, I missed that. I mean, I read the articles at the time, but, but I missed it. Yes, no, we all, we, well, I think, I, I think everyone missed it. Um, yes, um, it, it did feature a double page article from Gina Reinhardt. I think there was, there was, um, <laughs> right, there was, there, there, there was a, um, was an eight page wraparound for a couple of days. So that was, yes, it was short lived. Yes. Yeah. Mm. A, a big marketing job. Now, you've been having a big run in the last couple of days with uh, the Murdoch Media and the Australian in particular over whether the Climate 200 is a party or not. Can you just explain roughly what's happened there? <laughs> yeah, the, the Australian um, claims that the AEC um, uh, classifies us, uh, you know, defines and treats Climate 200 as a party. Um, they don't. Uh, we asked the AEC publicly, uh, do, do you define and treat us as a party? They said, no, we don't. Um, they're just making stuff up at this point, uh, the, the Murdoch media. They, um, uh, they, yeah, they, they're, they're on a tirade. They um, generally don't take the time to pick up the phone and ask us about ourselves. They're, their job, I mean, they're, they're the marketing arm of, of the Liberal Party, right? And the Liberal Party feels very threatened by this movement. And so, so they should. This movement's growing up uh, in seats that feel abandoned by uh, the party, that, that um, uh, the party is not speaking to. And... Um, the, the yeah, there's uh, I was just saying to someone the other day that you know, it's it's a pretty complex organism uh, our, our political parties, and uh, when you when when, when um, an organism feels threatened, you can you know or, or there's a foreign body enters into a um, organism, you can expect an immune system response and and baseless attacks from the Australian I think are an absolutely uh, foreseeable, um, predictable mundane uh, immune system response to, to challenges. Yeah. Can we just maybe get back to that very first question or one of the first questions about what success looks like? What does, um, is, it, is it the mm. retention of the four existing crossbenches? Is it the addition of a couple of other crossbenches that yeah. um, creates a hung parliament? Um, what would retention, you be satisfied with? Retention. To some degree, we we've we've got some, well we've got runs on the board already, right? The people have been trying to kill offshore oil and gas drilling off Sydney's northern beaches for a decade. Uh, amazing work's been done over a decade, but they just weren't able to get the government there. A strong independent runs in McKellar. All of a sudden, Jason Flinsky is uh, can I say shitting himself, and uh, all of a sudden the the um, the project is the project's cancelled. Um, ABC's had a whole bunch of funding restored. Refugees have been released from the Park Hotel um, after uh, nine years of, of, of uh, detention. Um, and uh, a few, few MPs crossed the floor on the um, religious discrimination bill, right? These things, these things wouldn't have happened if they didn't feel threats uh, from in, in their own seats. They're such a reactive mob that they need to be pushed in order to move. Mm. Um, but what yes, retaining the strong independents that are in Parliament already is um, is, is a key goal. At yeah, last, we did I did a little small version of Climate Two Hundred at the twenty nineteen election, and we didn't support Karen Phelps because we thought she was just a shoe in to be returned, 
and uh, I kick myself every day that uh, more Australians didn't get behind Karen. It was a very narrow loss and uh, it would have been a very different last few years if uh, Karen and maybe one other had got in. Um, so retaining the, the current mob is, is uh, you know, everything we can do to help that. Um, you know, they're running great campaigns, they're great, they're great independents, but if we can help that, we will. Uh, getting two or three more in so that the, um, the, the, the independents have balance of power would be great. But taking a whole lot of seats to uh, marginal, um, bringing a whole lot of... You, I mean, effectively in Australia, if you're in a marginal seat, you get a lot of attention, um, both you know, trinkets showered on you, um, but also uh, policy, you know, policy designed to woo you. Um, if you're in a marginal seat, you're, you're, you're golden, right? You get the colour-coded spreadsheet. Um, but if you're, if you're in a safe seat, you're, you're taken for granted and ignored. And this independence movement is creating another, maybe another 20 marginal seats. So there, there were maybe half a dozen at the last election. There are 20, maybe there's maybe coming up to 30 um, in, in, in this election, and maybe there'll be 50 in the one after. And if, if they all become marginal, or they all become genuine fights against uh, community-backed independence, that's a really good thing, I think, for democracy. One final question, because I know Simon's pressed for time. Simon, are you missing wonking, if that's the word, about energy? <laughs> <laughs> I am, I am. Reports are coming out. Like uh, AEMO will put out a report, and I used to you know, wait up to midnight to get or, or get the embargoed copy and uh, th you know, knock together a few charts and see if I could uh, knock an article out, and I, I miss that. Um, but, um, you know, that was, um, that was one form of advocacy, one thing I did to try to move the needle. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm tr still trying to move the needle, but just in a very different way. Very good. David, before we wrap up, is there anything that you want to bring to listeners' attention of what's happened in the last week? I can't think of that much apart from perhaps Energy Australia striking up a deal to operate another two big batteries in New South Wales being built by Edify in Darlington Point. Anything else? Well, I, I think it's uh, just, just confirming what, uh, what Simon was saying about the issues that resonate in the community, and I guess the community that's likely to support uh, uh, these independents are essentially not the mainstream liberal community anymore because the mainstream liberal community is like uh, a lot of right-wing uh, parts of the world essentially going more down market, if, if I can use that to the... To the, to the uh, uh, and I'm going to use that phrase, it's probably wrong, but, I mean, if you look at economists, for instance... Uh, the conversation surveyed uh, all of Australia's, or a bunch of 40 or 50, I think it was, of the leading economists, and they nominated climate change as, by a fairly large majority as the most important issue in the election from an economics point of view. Um, and, and there's an awful lot more to be said about the economics of climate change than we're going to cover here. Uh, and the other thing I'd say is that success has many parents and uh, um, <laughs> some independents get up and, uh, you know, a few of their sort of things like ABC funding, uh, better treatment of the tertiary education, all those uh, better treatment of arts and culture, all of those sort of things that have been sort of crushed under the heel of uh, the, the Queensland nationals in, in, the, in the pursuit of self-interest and nothing but uh, their own betterment. Mm -hmm. Uh, then I think a lot of Australians would feel a lot better off about it. But other than that, I can't think of it. And we're going to get a revised statement of uh, electricity opportunities tomorrow, I think it is, uh, which I expect is going to show that we do need to do some stuff in New South Wales and other areas uh, in order to avoid some problems from Araring. But we already knew that.
well, I've got it in a bag, a copy of it, and it says that if we don't do anything, then we may have a problem. But if we do do something, which we're going to do anyway, then there shouldn't be a problem. So pretty much the same as it always <laughs> ever was. But uh, <laughs> if you just see what the headlines say. <laughs> right, so that's, that's, the same, that's the same format as every email report of the last uh, 10 years. I read. It's like if we, do, if we do nothing, we're in trouble. But if we do these things that we are doing, we're going to be just fine. Yes, exactly right. Simon, thank you very much for joining the podcast um, and good luck with the campaign. And it's going to be fascinating to see the results of this election if we actually get, can stand the whole six weeks of it. Um, um, <laughs> Strap in. What actually sort of turns up. But um, thanks for joining us and good luck with it. Thanks, Giles. Thanks, David. That was sometimes Court, the convener of Climate 200. Uh, David, thank you very much. Thanks to all our listeners. We wish you a pleasant Easter break. Um, keep safe, um, keep well, and we'll be back again next week. Thanks once again to our sponsors, Highlight and Evergen. And bye for now. Energy Insiders was brought to you by Evergen, the market-leading renewable energy software business that optimises residential and commercial solar and battery systems. Evergen enables large numbers of systems to operate as a single fleet, so network operators can use them as a virtual power plant, generating significant value for consumers, network operators and the energy system as a whole. Evergen Software is powering the energy system of the future. Energy Insiders was also brought to you by Pylon. Pylon provides easy-to-use, solid design software for installers and retailers with pay-as-you-go pricing, no monthly cost and no locking contracts. Join Australia's top solar companies who trust Pylon to design high-resolution, CEC-ready solar proposals.